welcome to Board Game Binge, the place where we bring you bite-sized, bingeable board game content from across the industry. I'm your host, James Staley, and in this episode, we're chatting with Scott Kelly, a teacher and co-owner of BS Games. Along with his business partner, Bill Murphy, he designed and launched Mathemagician's Duel, an educational card game to make learning math fun. Scott, welcome to The Binge. How you doing, sir? I'm doing really well. I'm super happy to be here. Any opportunity I get to address people and talk about games and the things I'm working on makes me really happy, especially as a small independent designer who's just started. I think the idea that people are interested in what I'm doing is very exciting to me. Oh, very cool. Yeah. I, I mean, that's my philosophy. Anybody, anytime anybody even wants to talk to me, <laughs> I'm a happy uh, guy. <laughs> so nope. you're a fellow Canadian. I'll uh, mention that you and uh, you and Bill. And uh, I've met you guys, oh man, it must be almost three years ago now at Breakout Con. It was a Breakout Con. That's right. We we're, I think, both in the, uh, the Proto TO game design section. Um, yeah. So I had like, uh, and anybody that knows Breakout, there's, which is great. And kudos if, if anybody's interested in going to board game conventions, especially here in Canada. This one's coming up in March. It's in Toronto. It's back on. I am super excited. I'm definitely going oh, yeah. to be there, uh, both with Tin Robot Games as well as Board Game Binge. Um, but there's different parts of uh, the conference center. And near where the, the prototyping area is, there's some tables and stuff lined up there as well. So that's where I had my table. I didn't know if you had a table oh, there or right. you were actually in the prototype area? Or? Yeah, we were in the prototype area, right. um, which I guess is at the end of the alleyway where you yeah. were. So we walked past that section. And of course, you had uh, tanks, but no thanks, or thanks, but no tanks. Sometimes I get that backwards. Thanks, but no thanks. Yeah. Thanks, but no thanks. And if, if it's got tanks in it, I'm going to stop and have a look because I'm interested. So yeah. I remember Bill and I uh, just stopped by and we, we had a game and tried it out. And that's the first time we met and, uh, and chatted with each other. Yeah, it's awesome. And then we got a chance to connect again at uh, ProSpiel uh, this uh, two weekends ago, too, which was really cool. So yep. it's great to catch up with you guys again. I thought I would introduce the audience to, to you and you can talk on behalf of maybe yourself and I know Bill has uh, had other commitments tonight, couldn't make it, but I really want to get into the history of you guys because it's, mm-hmm. it's a really interesting story, right, on mm-hmm. how you kind of got to where you are today in this, mm-hmm. in this whole thing. Where did it all begin? Like how long have you been gaming and, and, and where did this all start? This could be a really long story, so I'm just going to try to hit the most important bits, right? Uh, it started, I remember playing board games for as long as I can remember. I go into board game cafes sometimes and see games on the shelves and like, the, oh, these old games and thinking, I had that. I played that as a kid. Yeah. So I remember being interested in board games ever since I was really young. Um, when I was about uh, nine years old, uh, a friend of mine who lived on my street uh, got into Dungeons and Dragons. He was a couple years older than I was and I started playing D&D, right? AD&D. Uh, and that was like a whole new world of like what a game could be. Um, so we did that for a while with him, just kind of doing, making our own way through it at the same time, still playing a lot of board games, uh, definitely opened my eyes to the science fiction fantasy side of things. So yeah. I was always on the lookout for those. And then when I got into high school, immediately met up with, um, a bunch of other people, got into a D&D group and through the D&D group, again, we branched out into other similar games. We got into the whole, a lot of role-playing yeah. But also that's when I started making games. We're always you know, making our own scenarios for games that are already out. Uh, we're making up our own event cards and things for games that were already published. And I actually made a game. And I didn't really think about this until someone posted on Facebook in the, one of the board game design groups. What yeah. was the first game you ever made? My first thought was, well, Mathematician's Duel is our first published game. But I thought it's not the first game I made. 
Because yeah. back in high school, I made a game about um, gladiators in the future, post-apocalyptic gladiators in arenas, wearing like junk and, and spikes and chainsaws and going at it in an arena fight. Um, that was the first one I made. I actually played that, you know, with my friends and at lunchtime at school and things like that. And whatever um, happened to that game? Did you did you guys shelve it or? Like, uh, you know, I'm pretty sure. As I'm looking over my computer here at my <laughs> first edition AD and D books. Yeah. where I kept all my gaming stuff. I'm sure that I've got a Duotang over there that has the rules printed on a dot matrix printer in it. I'm pretty sure oh, I still awesome. have it. So I'm thinking, uh, maybe I'll drag that out and see with my new knowledge. I know the experience I've had since then with the gaming and game design and, and the industry, if it's any good or not. Because <laughs> I yeah. might look at it now and go, oh my gosh, there's so many things I would no way I would do now. But, you know, we had fun with it. It was a fun experience. And, yeah, it's uh, kind of interesting, cool. eh? Like when you look at these games, it, um that we've made like back before mm. we really even got into what I call the modern mm. hobby of board gaming. Mm. Um, you know, thanks, but no thanks. It'd be a perfect example of that. That's something I created, you know, almost 25 years ago. And oh, wow. at the time there was that game and another game I created that one ended up aging. Okay. And with some mm-hmm. minor tweaks, you know, it, uh, mm-hmm. it actually uh, works really well in, in, in the modern hobby, the other game, not so much. Right. So it's yeah. one of those things where you got to kind of gauge mm-hmm. it and look at it through a new lens and say, okay, can I retool this in a way that it's, you know, more modern now and, and, and fits kind of the, mm-hmm. you know, the way games are played today? Uh, or is it kind of just a, a great memory and uh, something right. that I can kind of put out there on my shelf as something that got me mm-hmm. started um, down the journey of then eventually creating something that uh, was much greater and much better. So that's kind of cool yeah. to hear. Where, yeah. So where did you and Bill meet? Like, where, how did you guys connect? Uh, Bill and I met working for Games Workshop. Uh, while I was at um, at high school with this D&D group, yep. I discovered Warhammer 40,000. Miniature games. Nice. There's no actual board, just cool scenery. And you move yeah. these little guys around, they shoot each other and you roll dice. That's totally cool. So I got into that. Um, and after a while, I ended up getting a job at the company that makes it, uh, you know, Games Workshop, like uh, Warhammer and Warhammer 40,000. So he was already working there. He was one of the first employees, actually, in Canada. Um, they had the one store on Queen Street because it's a British company. They had a head office in the United States and the U.S. was then supplying some stores in Canada. They're opening up some Canadian stores. This is back in the mid to early 90s, wow. uh, mid 90s. And then uh, they opened a head office in Canada because they wanted to be able to supply and expand new stores in Canada. So Bill helped set up the head office there back when there was only five or six employees at the head office. And by the time I got there, I... Um, I always, always get the year wrong. It's 96 or 97. I can't remember yeah. which one. But um, I should know because it was the year my son was born. So uh, it was 97. I ended up, uh, no, it wasn't. It was a year after because they had the grand tournament. And I went to the first grand tournament yeah. when my son was a few months old. And then the very following year, right before, two weeks before the second grand tournament is when I got hired. So wow. I applied for the job and I got hired there. But I met Bill at the first grand tournament um because i showed up i never played out anyone outside my friends group and now i'm at this tournament where there's like 50 players from like all are in toronto some came in from like nova scotia just to be able to play 40k against other people um and i was terrible at it um i i claim it's like dice luck thing you know um i was doing really badly i was in last place at one point and there's an odd number of players so they have a staff member go and play whoever's in last place you know and they kind of take it easy on them to kind of boost them and help them you know back up a little bit So that was Bill. So Bill, he's a you know, friendly guy. He comes over, he brings his army. Oh, I put my cool. army down. It's like, yeah, I'll play here. So we, we played and he kicked the crap out of me. 
<laughs> not on purpose. He wasn't trying to. Once again, either he was getting some good rolls. I was getting some bad rolls. I might have made a couple bad decisions. So he beat me quite soundly when he was supposed to, you know, kind of let me win. Uh, so that's how we first met. And then the following year, um, the general manager told everybody there that I was the new guy, that I was going to be starting with them like a week after the grand tournament. So sure. all the staff were being super friendly. And Bill was like, hey, remember me from last year? I'm like, yeah, yeah. So Bill was hanging out with me, super friendly, super nice to me. Um, and then we both ended up working in the warehouse uh, a couple of weeks later. So we spent a lot of time uh, together working there. Then he does graphics, um, graphic art, illustration, Graph graphic design, design, things like that. Yeah, that's okay. his thing. That was his thing. He went to um, to college for that. So that's his skills. So a, a couple of years in, we decided that I was pretty funny and I was going to take some of my ideas and jokes that I was constantly making and I get him to, to illustrate them for me. Yeah. And we ended up making a magazine. The, um, the company magazine for a Games Workshop is called White Dwarf. So we made one called Light Dwarf, where we kind of made fun of the hobby. And all we right. went and printed, you know, made jokes about it. And he'd, you know, do up all the pictures, just little inside jokes and things through the office or through the hobby. And we printed about eight or nine copies uh, at Kinko's. Uh, it was only like eight or nine pages long. It still cost us like like 100 bucks or something like that because sure. they're like full color glossy whatever and we just hand them out at the company christmas party to to the employees to share around so that was sort of the first project that we did together so anyway years passed we can skip over several years bill left to go on to other things um more graphic design um i eventually left and uh went back to school um just to get a better education and mm -hmm. from there ended up in doing teaching uh after that so as part of my teacher education, um, I was given a, a project to design a, a tool for helping students learn something. So I came up with what essentially is an abacus, but it's kind of like very game-like. The kids would roll uh, two 10-sided dice to come up with a two-digit number. Mm -hmm. Then he'd roll another one and they'd put counters to represent that number. And then they'd move the counters together to show how, um, how the addition works. Yeah, cool. So, oh no, I've got too many. I got like 17 in the ones column. I guess I trade 10 for one red counter, which is worth 10. And now I got 10 and seven and really just show how the base 10 system and the digits work when you're doing all that regrouping and borrowing and carrying. Yeah. And you can do subtraction on it. I did fairly well with it, but I did it on Word. So Microsoft <laughs> Word. So it's like a, a late 11 by 17 piece of paper. And it's like, oh, it looked awful, but it yeah. kind of got the point across. But I got really good feedback on it. And I thought this could be a thing that people could actually use yeah, like in classes and things like that. Maybe we could sell this. So I went to Bill and said, can you make this look good? And he, and he did. We discussed it. We talked about it. He came up with ideas. We ended up calling it the subtract and adder mm. because you subtract and add. And the logo he drew was a snake because a, an adder is a type of snake. And it's very clever. Um, so we're working on that. We're getting this all set up. We're thinking we can sell it to uh, educational stores and things. And uh, we got to make a company around it. So we came up with BS Games. The BS, by the way, stands for Bill and Scott. No, sometimes okay, I not, tell, uh, yeah, bull, uh, whatever. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Sometimes people ask. <laughs> the people are looking like, what? What? I got it. Like, orange and purple. Orange and purple. <laughs> but it helps you remember it, right? I figured, hey, yeah. it'd be a good marketing thing. People, people remember it. Oh yeah. Um, but then we shelved it uh, because I came up with another idea, which uh, did even better. 
So how long and, ago was uh, this though? Before before we move yeah. on. So the the, yeah. the subtract and adder. When when did you make that? I'm trying to understand like in this history. Yeah. When did that happen? So was that like two three years ago? Is that ten years ago? Yeah, I'm not really good with dates, unfortunately. Um, let me see. It was the second year of my teaching program. I've been teaching for nine years. Okay, so about so ten years ago. Then. About oh. nine years. About nine ten wow. years ago. Yeah. And then you and Bill have been buds ever since. I guess you both left. Uh, oh yeah, yeah even. Oh yeah. Uh, there was wow. a time where, because he went off and did his own thing. I did my mm-hmm. own thing. We didn't see each other for a bit. You know, once in a while I sent an email or something like mm-hmm. that. He actually ended up moving uh, his house and moved away closer to me. Oh, I was wow. like, Hey, we can hang out all the time. And then we didn't. <laughs> it's kind of ironic that we had the opportunity. It's like, you're closer now. It's not as far for me to come and visit you and we can hang out. And then life just didn't allow that to happen. And I actually think I went and saw him visit him, him more once I moved out of that area. Mm-hmm. And it was actually further for me to get there. But uh, it's his place we go to when we're working on stuff because he's got the setup, right? He's got the big uh, the Wacom tablet and he does all the design and art. So yeah. right there is uh, is where we uh, we do our work. Um, but yeah, that was about 10 years ago. I think that we started that. And, you know, it takes a year or so to get things sorted out and uh, get these ideas. And, and there was a pause in there even after the adder. There was yeah. a big pause where I was super busy with something. He was doing something else. And eventually we... He called me up and said, either we can do something about it or, or are we not going to do something about it? And I said, you know what? No, let's go for it. Let's, let's stick with this. I'll put more in, you know, kind of stop ignoring you and this this project and we're going to do it. And that must have been around 2017 when okay. we really sat down and went, okay, we're going to do something with this because I know that because we registered the company name in 2018. So that's mm-hmm. when we were like super serious. Uh, but at that point, I had already come up with the idea for... Um, our next game the math magician's duel that's the one that we actually went with and published yeah and then so why why decide to go with this one versus the subtract and adder uh feedback uh i got the idea um i made prototypes just on cards uh i got this idea almost fully formed while standing in the shower where i get all my Mm. great ideas Sometimes I've forgotten my ideas by the time I've tiled myself off, but this one stuck with me all the way out. And I ran downstairs, grabbed a bunch of index cards, just hand wrote out a bunch of cards. I'm going to play this right now. And I got my son to come in and help me and say, here's the idea. Can you see any reason why this wouldn't work? Because he's very mathematically minded. Uh, We've had other games where I've said, hey, how about this game? And he goes, well, if you do this, you'll win every time. And here's why. I was like, okay, so much for that game because he's really analytical and he yeah. said no this this seems okay to me i think he's got some this this should work um so, so how's it work? Play like I, i'm sharing yeah. the screen here so people can see it that are okay. either watching live or if they come back and watch on the replay i, I yeah. mean the artwork is is great so kudos to bill on that yeah. the artwork looks oh, awesome sure. oh absolutely i was super yeah. excited so how, how's it work how's that. it play well the idea was um Quick little bit of background on the on the why before I get into the how was mm-hmm. um, I'm supplying I'm doing supply work I'm doing substitute teacher stuff uh, in some classes and I'm seeing students reach for their calculator when they're doing math and they're reaching for their calculator when they're adding single digit numbers I'm like why mm-hmm. are you why are you going for that this is middle school I'm in middle schools right we're not talking like grade one two three um, for the more difficult things for sure right if the whole point of the question is something else you just got to get the math done that's fine but you're just adding numbers why are you reaching for your calculator. Yeah. Yet kids playing, I've seen them play Yu-Gi-Oh and Pokemon and they know every character. They know what every character does. They know all their point values and life amounts for all these characters. So I'm thinking, can I harness that and do something that's similar so they'll be familiar with the process or the idea of the game yet explicitly practice those mental math skills? 
So that's what I came up with. So the idea is you're dueling wizards and you're trying to uh, cast spells on each other using the most powerful magic in the universe, which usually when I'm running a demo, at which point I say, which is, and someone will say, is it love? I'll say, no, it's not love, it's math. This <laughs> <laughs> isn't like a love game, it's a math game. So math and magicians duel. So the most powerful magic in the universe is math. So there are um, two decks of cards you should draw your hand from. There's a blue deck, which is all what we call magical energy. Those are the numbers, digits mm -hmm. one to nine. Then there's the uh, magical symbols, which are the operators. They're all plus and minuses. Mm -hmm. You choose a spell. You get three spells out of the deck, and they all the backs of the cards all look like the, the cover of a spell book. Again, super clever design by Bill. And on the other side, there's the spells. And uh, they all have what we call a casting value. So there's an equal sign and a number. So what you're going to do is build what we call an incantation mm. by using those red and blue cards. So it's going to go number operator, number operator, number operator, number operator. And when you read it from left to right and add it up, you're trying to make it equal that value that's on that card. And when you do, then you're casting your spell on the opponent. At the bottom, there's some words, what we call an invocation. You have to say the words because once you say the words, you can't take it back. This is important mm. because... Um, if you say the words and your opponent then gets a double check and your opponent checks it, well, you're trying to get to nine and I'm adding this up and that's actually eight. You've miscounted. In which case, the spell now backfires on me. So I have to make sure that I'm sure that I'm at that number before I declare it cast. And we put those in there uh, because early on when I was testing it uh, with my classes, I'd, I'd made, um, again, printed on index cards using clip art and you know, Microsoft Publisher, laminating them in the library for an hour and a half every day after school, hoping no one notices. Because uh, I made like 11 decks of cards and <laughs> just using it with so much lamination. Um, but sometimes the kids would cast a spell. Say, oh, I cast my spell. Then their opponent would go, uh, and as soon as they saw their opponent doubt it, they go, I mean, I mean, wait, wait, wait. So it's like, oh, we got to put something in there, right? So you can't yeah. just keep taking it back, right? But if it is correct, uh, there's also a value at the bottom of the card. This is how much magical strength your opponent loses. And then they subtract that from their total, which is uh, given on these little scorecards that we added in the game as well. And so the first one down is magical out. strength cards with the bubbles. Is that the one? Yeah. And there's a great story behind that too. Again, uh, Bill's uh, design. We're thinking we can't just say in the rules, go get a notepad and a piece of paper and, yeah. and a pencil, right? Because you hate that when I want to play the game, but now I have to go search my house or a working pen and I don't know, whatever. So like, how do we do that? Well, we put in a D20 maybe, right? Mm -hmm. uh, do like a countdown die. But now we're looking at increased production costs. And there's a die that you can lose. Uh, do we put like a cardboard slider with um, the little plastic on it? And so if we do something with like, like Euchre, when you play Euchre and you keep score, you just use the cards, use the fives and you overlap them. And, you know, if you've ever seen that. Oh, yeah. and, and he said, okay, let me think on that for a bit. Then a couple of days later, he sends me over this PDF proof. Um, and then we have like a video call. And he says, it works like this. What do you think? And it's just the little cards got the little pointer finger on it. Mm -hmm. And it just points to the number and you just move it down. Oh, right? And, and then he drew the, yeah, about. he yeah, drew yeah. the bubble around the finger. So if you line it up, that bubble oh, on the clever. finger card lines up. I was like, Oh dude, that's brilliant. Just brilliant. And this is a 20 to 15 on 11 on one side of the card. Then you just flip it over. And what makes even, that idea. <laughs> all right. And what makes it even better all right, is that the big card is the same size as the spell card. And yeah. the small card is the same size as the, um, the numbers in the operator cards, oh, which yeah, means cool. they're printed on the same sheet. Yeah. When you go to the printer, we learned so much about how games are actually made. Yeah. Right. We're like, Oh, how many cards per sheet and how many do we have room for on a page? That kind of thing before it costs us another, you know, we have to pay for another sheet. 
and by putting them on the same sheet, they just print them all in one and um, we're, it's no extra component. So it's no extra cost in the production of the game. That's and a super I cool just, counter. I it, love it. It was. It was. How really are you good. guys getting these games to market right now? So, are, are you selling to schools or straight to parents? Like, kind of who? Who's your market? Yeah, that was that was kind of my original goal. Uh, was if I get this in a school, I even actually made a list. I counted every um, the number of grade six, seven, and eight classes, or no, four mm-hmm. grade four to eight classes in Ontario. I actually looked up every school, what, how many schools there were. Uh, sorry, how many grade between four and eight classes there were divided that by like 23, which is like the average size to get an idea of how many there were, because we're going to go into every school. Mm-hmm. Uh, but we found during playtesting that because we were focusing on making it a fun game first, rather than just an educational game, that more people were enjoying it. Like adults will sit down and play it. Uh, people we met at game cafes in their 20s would sit down and play it. Um, so we would go into random game cafes, watch people play and say, Hey, you guys looking for a game? You want to try a game? We just designed it and we're just trying to get it to market. You guys want to try it and give us some feedback. And people were like, Oh, that's pretty cool. Yeah, we'll try that. So we got 20 somethings having a great time playing this game. Hmm. Uh, sometimes you get ones they go, Oh, is it a math game? It looks like it has math in it. It's like you're an adult and it's plus and minus. You shouldn't have this much anxiety. And they would sit down, we we'd get them to play it. And the feedback we got quite frequently was, I was worried at first because I'm not good at math, but as soon as I got started three or four turns in, I forgot it was about math because I was just trying to cast my spell and get my opponent. Yeah. Like That's what we're looking for. That is the goal. You're not thinking about how do I do the game. You're thinking about how do I win the game. It's almost like right? Quiddler. I, uh, mm-hmm. In my game night in uh, Newmarket, that game comes out at least once a night. Someone pulls mm-hmm. out Quiddler. And it's just spelling, right? It's like a yeah. Scrabble with cards. Yeah. It's uh, it's crazy, but it's amazing how, yeah. um, you know, those concepts can can appeal to you know a wide range of people, right? Yeah. Well, it's the analogy we make too, right? Uh, with math anxiety, I actually wrote a piece on our own blog about math anxiety and teaching kids to hate math by allowing mm-hmm. them to say, "Oh, math is hard. I just don't have to do yeah. it." Uh, so many games are word games. People maybe people don't like word games so much. They go, "I'm not really into word games." But they don't have that visceral reaction like, oh, it's a math game. Therefore, it's a boring educational kids game. And it's not for me because I'm bad at it anyway. So we're trying to get around that stigma and make something that was fun first. Mm-hmm. Um, it's got strategy. It's got choices. Um, and then it just happens to use this math practice to make it work. So originally, like you're saying, yeah, schools and parents. And that is mostly, uh, we, I don't think we so much have kids coming up and going, hey, I really want that. We have a lot of parents going, I'm going to get this for my kids. Uh, or even just when we've done demos out in like uh, mm-hmm. events and we get kids to sit down and play and parents are looking over their shoulder, teach kids how to play. And then we'll take a step back next to parents and we'll go, uh, you know, they're, they're doing math, right? And the parents are like, yeah, <laughs> they seem to be enjoying it. They've been doing it for 20 minutes. I'm like, yep. And uh, when they're done, they'll ask to do it again. And the parents are like, can I get one of those? I like, yes, you can. <laughs> so right, when it's sort of disguised. Yep. When we talked at, um, Pro Spiel a couple of weeks ago, um, mm-hmm. obviously Math Magicians Duel was out on the tables, but there was another mm-hmm. game that really caught my eye. I was hoping we could mm-hmm. talk briefly about it, yeah. which is Sonoda. And I learned is Adonis spelt backwards. Um, <laughs> a whole story there, yeah. I'm showing the, mm-hmm. uh, the, mm-hmm. the game on the screen here, but yeah. I'm going to describe this and you tell me if this is an accurate description. So yeah, to me, ahead. this is like almost like a simplified chess mm-hmm. Um, where all pieces do kind of the same thing, um, but it's very chess-like in trying to take your opponent's pieces, 
kind of pin them, set them up for a takedown. And, uh, and then it just looks super cool at the same time. Like this is probably one of the most for abstract games, I would say like, it is visually appealing. When you see this on a table, you walk by, you stop, you say, what is that? And I had the uh, privilege of being able to play the one with even the, um, the metallic, um, yeah, uh, dies, which were just yeah. awesome. So is, is that a fair description or how would you describe this game? Absolutely. We describe it similarly ourselves. Uh, it's um, more complex than checkers, more strategies than checkers, but easier to learn than chess. Yeah. So it's somewhere in between. Um, yeah. And let me yeah. echo that because I, yeah. I had, you guys taught me how to play. I think Bill taught me how to play it. They played one mm-hmm. game. Later on, you guys were off doing something else. Mm-hmm. I uh, grabbed my brother, Adam. And I said, you got to check this game out. I brought him over to the table. I taught Adam how to play. <laughs> so mm-hmm. I'd only played once before myself. And then I taught Adam how to play. Mm-hmm. And we played a game and uh, and he had a lot of fun with it as well. So yeah. um, I can kind of echo that sentiment that is definitely, uh, it's definitely easy to learn. Oh, it is so simple. Uh, people we have talked to played, again, game cafes, right? We'll break it out anytime we'll get someone to play it with us. Mm-hmm. And a lot of feedback we get is, why isn't this already a game? But well, because we've already self-published one and it's a lot of work because there's only two of us. So yeah. we're trying to get a publisher to pick this one up for us and, and run with it. Uh, because, um, and it just ties into your previous question, uh, Mass Magician's Duel, self-published. Uh, we got our first print run, 1,000 copies showed up January 2020. January 2020, 2020 is going to be our year. We're going to go to yeah. all the events and so we're going to super promote. And you know how that worked out. Yeah. Um, but even still, uh, self-distribution, we got ourselves into 40 stores in South, Southern Ontario, just by oh, walking awesome. in and saying, right. And that once that's set, yes. Then we started putting more, let's what else, where else can we do? Right. What other games we got? And Sonoda has been one that has been really popular. A lot of people looking at it, but we just don't feel that we have the time, effort, and energy to self-publish that one. So we're kind of putting feelers out there, seeing if we can get a, a bigger publisher to look at it. But a lot of bigger publishers aren't um, aren't big on the the uh, abstract strategy. And yeah, it's a tough. You can't get to the conventions. It's tough, they're not going right? on right now. Yeah, like and and, and mm-hmm. we ran into this on. There's a couple other abstract games we've talked to on this podcast. And it's not that abstract games aren't great because they mm-hmm. are. They are awesome. I think it's for me, probably the Kickstarter uh, is it's mm. a tough kind of slug for Kickstarter, mm. right. To do an abstract yeah. game. You know, you want things that are very thematic yeah. and um, but a really game like artwork, this, tons of components. Yeah. Yeah. But a game yeah. like this, I mean, this is something I would have on my coffee table. I mean, mm-hmm. it just looks cool. Right. And, mm. and I actually had thought you guys had already hit the market. And I said this to Bill, when I saw him at the show, I said, I thought this is already out there because I'm seeing pictures of this everywhere <laughs> on Instagram, right? Yeah. <laughs> and it's probably yep. you guys may be posting the pictures, but uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. It, every time we play it. Yeah. Yeah. It's cool. So mm-hmm. it'd be neat to see at least uh, mm-hmm. like a game crafter version of this game or, or something yeah. along that lines where yeah. um, people can buy it. Right. And they're, mm-hmm. they're buying one at a time. Yep. And to get more people playing this, because I do believe the more people that play this, the more people are going to want to play it. Mm-hmm. Um, this is the kind of game that, for instance, my dad, who's really into chess, he taught me chess mm-hmm. when I was six. And, uh, you know, this is right up his alley. This is the kind of thing that he would absolutely love to play, right? Mm-hmm. So uh, I, I hope you guys can get this thing out there. And then yeah. you've got some other games on your website as well. Do you want to talk about them briefly as well? Like, you guys got a lot of irons in the fire, right? We, we have a lot that we're just figure what are we going to do next with it uh say what now is there a party word game where you uh, roll dice to create um tell you which deck of cards to draw from and you get random words and you have to use those to make a phrase 
okay. and only those. So it comes out kind of nonsensical. Uh, but then everyone has situations that they then apply to that phrase. Here's my phrase. It doesn't make much sense. Everyone has in their hand a bunch of cards where maybe they've heard that before. Oh, isn't that the title of that um, F. Scott Fitzgerald novel that no one ever talked about? Or isn't that the, oh, that's the first line in my Tinder profile, right? <laughs> and everyone puts that in. So it's got that, you know, judge, the judges, impress the judge mechanic, you know, like apples, yeah. apples and such, right? Uh, but because you're rolling randomly to determine which deck to draw from, uh, there's a deck of nouns and verbs, one's adjectives and one's small words, like, you know, pronouns, conjunctions, adverbs. You yeah. don't have to know what each one is in order to play the game. Um, might help a bit. Um, but the chance you're rolling, first of all, the same combination and then getting the same cards, and then people get the same cards, would make something different with it. So it's, it's like an infinite number of possible outcomes that you can have. Yeah. Uh, so that's one that we break out and we have a lot of fun with that. Uh, the add-ons look really cool. Yeah, so you, you throw in the little yeah, Y can, and S and ES yeah, and punctuation. and stuff. Exactly, and that's what makes it different. So that's the other big one right now that is pretty much complete, and we're just looking to put off onto someone else. And uh, what else? The adders on there. Uh, From the Mist is uh, a big one Bill's working on. It's very complex, well, compared to our other games. Uh, sure. It's somewhere between um, a battle combat battle game and a board game, somewhere in between. Uh, so instead of using miniatures, uh, they're flat discs that have all the stats of each unit on them. Instead of rolling dice, uh, you flip tokens. It's either like a, a check with a little dude with a thumbs up or it's an X and a guy doing this. And it depends on the number of checks versus Xs that you flip to determine whether you're successful in an attack or, or uh, defending yourself. That's oh, sort of thing. Cool. He's got this big background that he's writing for it as well. So those are big ones. So if somebody wants to mm-hmm. follow you guys, like if they want mm-hmm. to kind of be part of this journey, there's obviously mm-hmm. bsgames.ca, which is your C-A. website. That's right. uh, is there like a Facebook group you guys have that people can be part of? Uh, yeah, we have a Facebook page, uh, bsgames.ca. Okay. Because um, we found, uh, even though we registered the name as a company name in Ontario, when going on the social media, apparently a lot of people are using BS Games. So on <laughs> social why. media, yeah, we're <laughs> BS Games CA. Yeah. So if you go on Instagram, Twitter, or Facebook, BS Games CA, that's us. Oh, Even that's better cool. if you're nearby, if you can come and hang out with us, that'd be cool too. If you want to try the games. Oh, and all <laughs> exactly. our games that we've talked about, Mathematicians, Dual, Sonoda, and um, Say What Now are all, uh, we made versions, well, we, I say, we, Bill, made versions for Tabletop Simulator. So oh, if sweet. you have Tabletop Simulator, you can play any of them uh, for free once you've got it. You Is there links on it. your website to those Tabletop Simulator pages so you can find I'm them I'm trying easier? to remember. Oh, we might not have added those yet. If so not, if, they're going to be added soon, I'm sure. If not, yeah, I'll try to get those up there so that you can find those. It should be under each individual's game page. Yeah. should have uh, have a link there. Oh, if not, awesome. send me an email. I'll, I'll send you the link. Well, so Scott, I just want to thank you for uh, all your time here. This has been awesome. It's been great catching up. I hope uh, I get to see you at BreakoCon. You going to be at BreakoCon this uh, coming? That up? is the plan. I certainly hope so. I do plan to be there. Um, we will be in the in the prototype area, and what we will be doing there, sort of the same thing we were doing at uh, ProSpiel North, is uh, Mathematicians Duel Level Two, is what oh, we're cool. working on next. Yeah, so Level One is the one that's out, plus and minus. Uh, level two will incorporate multiplication and division, which adds an extra challenge to the design as well. So there'll be a couple other slight uh, tweaks in the uh, how the game works uh, to uh, accommodate for that. But it essentially, it'll be the, the same game, except with uh, multiplication and division for the, your higher level uh, math operations. Oh, that's awesome. Well, I can't wait to play it. Mm-hmm. 
Sir, I thank you so much for your time. All the best this coming year, right? Yep. Thank you. You as well. Thanks for having me on. Cheers. Ciao. Bye. This has been an episode of the Board Game Binge Podcast, hosted by James Staley, produced by James Staley and Mike Bruner, with original music by Nick Smith. If you would like to watch these interviews live, simply join the Facebook group Board Game Binge, and you'll get access to live interviews, giveaways, and interesting board game content from across the industry. I can't wait for you to join us. See you next time.